Welcome to the BadgerBlitz.com podcast. I am Benjamin Wargo, the Wisconsin football and basketball beat writer for BadgerBlitz.com. Welcome back, everybody. It's been quite some time since we talked, a couple months, actually, since the NFL draft came and went, and not much news had been uh, talk, needed for us to talk about, really, over the course of those last several weeks. But now we're starting to get some glimpses of to what may be happening here for the University of Wisconsin football team, the Badger uh, football players started coming back to campus on Monday along with the women's volleyball team for some uh, testing and preparing for some uh, voluntary workouts beginning uh, next week. Hopefully that the season will start on time. And for Wisconsin, that is on September 4th against Indiana. So we're starting to get back a little bit. But NBA is coming back. NHL, I think, is coming back. NASCAR has started to come back. So some sports are starting to return. So there's hope that there's light at the end of the tunnel. But the one major story over the last several days, or certainly this month of June, has been the Wisconsin football team and their recruiting success. Wisconsin has nabbed three commits during this month. Daryl Peterson, a, d- a defensive end outside linebacker from Akron, Ohio. Michael Jarvis, a defensive tackle from Medford, New Jersey. And TJ Bowlers, that's the big one, the defensive end outside linebacker from Iowa. Uh, Bowlers, top 100 prospect, a 5.9 rating in the Rivals.com uh, rating system. Four-star prospect, one of four. Uh, four-star prospects in the Rivals.com rating. Excuse me, one of one of three joined Hunter Waller and J.P. Benchel. I'll have a feeling that there will be more four-stars coming in this class. And Bowler's had all sorts of big-time offers here. Alabama, California, Florida, Iowa, Iowa State, Michigan, Michigan State, Nebraska, Notre Dame, Penn State, Texas A&M, Virginia Tech, Washington. A huge list. He's rated number 98 overall, regardless of position. And... You watch his highlight tape, you can see why we'll talk about T.J. Bowlers here a little bit. We'll talk about Daryl Pearson, who committed earlier this month. We're going to talk about both those players with Midwest recruiting analyst Josh Hemholt, who has been covering Wisconsin Midwest recruiting for as long as John McNamara and I have. And we'll also talk to Tim Gushu, who is the head coach out there in Medford, New Jersey. He is Michael Jarvis's head coach. I'll play back that interview that I did with him uh, from last week after Jarvis committed. But want to first kind of give you a background on these players before we jump right into having Josh on the program. And you have to start with Bowlers, who at 6'3", 245, they're going to put him an outside linebacker, and it's going to be a position that Wisconsin's had a ton of success with in converting players. Think T.J. Watt, think Andrew Van Ginkle, think Zach Bond. I mean, you watch Bowlers' tape, and you can see that he has those same type of characteristics that Watt, Bond, Van Ginkle, and so many others who have come through here recently have an explosive relentlessness, violent, uh, supreme athleticism that he has. And, you know, Bowler's head coach Gabe Backer told John McNamara of BadgerBlitz.com that his biggest strength is that his motor never stops. When he's on the field, both on offense and defense, he's going from snap to whistle and maybe even through it at times. So if you look at his physical abilities and then add that motor, it's pretty tough to defend him. He's awfully tough to go against at the high school level. Now, Bowlers is a four-star athlete, not perfect height or length in comparison to some other outside linebackers, but as mentioned, that strength and explosiveness should be a huge weapon off the edge for Wisconsin. It might take some time to develop. Wisconsin's going to be doing the same thing here with Aaron Witt 
coming up here this upcoming uh, fall camp. But you know, Bowlers has just this ability to have uh, play different techniques. Uh, comes from a great football uh, background. His dad played at Iowa, fullback at Iowa. While well, asked Josh about kind of that recruitment and why. Uh, TJ did take a closer look at Iowa here come up in just a little bit, but uh, a huge gift for Wisconsin, kind of a, a, a best, not really a best kept secret because we kind of figured that TJ was going to pull the trigger here, and he did. He did on, on Friday, and that was a big commitment for Wisconsin, a big piece, probably one of the star pieces of this recruiting class. It kind of overshadows uh, Daryl Pearson's commitment. He committed on June 1st, and they're going to play the same position, but you know, Pearson, a lot of the same attributes that we talk about bowlers, uh, you can talk about with Daryl Pearson. Speed, power, uh, relentless motor, hand technique is really solid. Uh, he moves past offensive linemen and offensive tackles to get in the backfield in a hurry. 21 sacks as a junior, which is a school record uh, there at Hoban High School in Ohio. Uh, one of those players that you can just see gets the position. And while he may not have... kind of the flexibility that a lot of people do have at that position. He's just got this really good skill set. And you you like the fact that he, at 6'3", 2'4", is able to move fluidly uh, with that body power that he has. And uh, Peterson has told us on BadgerBuds.com that the coaches at Wisconsin like his quickness and his strength, and they like what he brings to the table coming off the edge. And they think... I can control that part of the field as an outside backer. And more often than not, the players that Wisconsin has put there over the last several years have really panned out well. And we're going to see that again this year, too, that now that Zach Bond is gone, some more players are going to be able to step in and make an impact. Can Noah Burks be that next player? And so we're going to see here, hopefully with with a camp opening in mid-July, which would be great to finally get to talk about football a little bit. But we're going to bring in uh, Josh Hemphold here in just a second to kind of break down these two players. And Wisconsin now sits at with the number 15 recruiting class in the country. It's still early. Uh, they have 14 commits, but certainly when some of these players get back on the field, like a uh, like a Riley Malman from Lakeville, Minnesota, like some of these in-state prospects, like a Jackson Aker and a Loyal Crawford, I think you're going to see some bumps in the rankings. And Michael Jarvis, too, is just a two-star prospect. But we'll talk about him, uh, you know, a little bit later in the show. A lot of these guys are probably going to get a bump in the rankings, and I think that this class is going to get even better as time goes on. And for some more in-depth reference on a couple of the more recent commits for the University of Wisconsin, we'll bring in a Rivals Midwest recruiting analyst. He's been around just as pretty much as long as I have covering recruiting in the Midwest. Josh Helmholt joins the program, and Josh, we're not going to. Uh, Barry, the lead here, uh, Wisconsin getting T.J. Bowlers out of Iowa to commit kind of a, a, a best-kept secret, or I guess the furthest thing from it, kind of was trending towards Wisconsin a long time, but now it's official. This is a pretty big commit for Wisconsin. This is a pretty talented top 100 player who I know you have seen uh, in the past. Tell me a little bit about what Wisconsin's getting here with T.J. Yeah, you know, when we were talking about you know, the bowler's commitment, he's a well-rounded kid. He's able to do a lot of the things you look for at that defensive end position. Now, as you transition him back to maybe more of an outside linebacker role, more of a T.J. Watt type of a role in Wisconsin's defense, the one question you'll have to answer is, can he play in space? Can he, you know, breathe out to the flats, cover backs, tight ends, those types of things? We just haven't seen him do it. Will his skill set match up to that? I 
you know, it's it's almost a mentality thing as much as it is a skill set thing. You know, do you have the ability to, you know, be able to play in space? So that's the one question. Other than that, we know he can rush the passer. We know he can set the edge. We know he's stout against the run. So he has all those techniques you look for in your traditional defensive end, and you just have to see, and obviously Wisconsin feels strongly enough that, you know, he also has that ability to, to do the things that maybe a, a hybrid outside linebacker would do. So uh, definitely an elite, talented guy. That's why he's a Rivals 100 guy. And, uh, no, you know, I think a, a nice cornerstone for this class so far. He's got good bloodlines, too. His dad played at Iowa. I think he was a fullback. Um, I mean, you certainly, Wisconsin looks for those type of multi-sport athletes who have football in, 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 in their family tree. How do you think Wisconsin was able to kind of impact uh, TJ in terms of influencing him to kind of stay in the Midwest but, but come to their programs of over in Iowa, over in Alabama, I mean, he had pretty much the pick of a litter of the number of places he could go. What's, I know you've talked to him. What's your take on that? Yeah, it was interesting. His dad, obviously, an Iowa legacy. You know, Ira PJ's an Iowa legacy with his dad playing there, but the Hawkeyes really from almost the jump just did not gain traction in this recruitment. And obviously when he narrowed down his list to a, whatever it was, top five, six, seven, they were out. Iowa State was more involved there. Nebraska was heavily involved. Alabama came on late in terms of their, you know, intensity in this recruitment. And when I talked to TJ, he said, you know, it probably came down to those two schools, Wisconsin and Alabama at the end, similar to, you know, for Daryl Peterson. So TJ's the guy who um, really, I, I talked to him coming, in fact, on the drive home, him and his dad and his, and his uh, trainer were driving home from Wisconsin in that early March you know, visit that uh, he took there right before the dead period got started again. And you could just tell he had a very strong reaction to his experience in Madison. He connected with the guys. That was the first time he got a chance to meet guys like Hunter Wooler and Daryl Peterson. And, you know, when you build those types of bonds and you build those types of relationships, those mean more than, you know, facilities and even things like, you know, uh, defensive fit and those types of things. Not that those things didn't impress them. I think they did, but it was really that building those relationships, not just with the coaching staff, but with the other recruits and commitments in the class. Daryl Pearson, who you mentioned from Akron, committed 10 days before TJ did to Wisconsin. Both are kind of similar in, in the build, 6'3", you know, mid-230s, 240s. Can you compare and contrast those two and, and how they're – going to fit similarly or differently into Wisconsin's defense? Yeah, so Daryl's a guy who actually, you know, we got a feel for that ability to kind of play in space. And, yeah, it's interesting they're going to have him do both the same things. Having seen both in person, I really felt, you know, TJ was much more of that, that, uh, that, that more truer defensive end. Daryl was always that kind of hybrid outside linebacker defensive end. I saw him first game of his sophomore season, which, I think it was his first game on varsity, and and Hogan's a very talented team. They got tons of of power five caliber kids coming out of that program over the last decade. Uh, always are filled with D one type talents. And Daryl immediately jumped off the field. I mean, had no idea who he was coming into that game. That was you know almost two years ago now. And his ability to just always be around the football, always make plays. He's a playmaking defender, a playmaking front seven defender, and. When you get those guys, I think they really have the ability to uh, make your defense a special defense. So he's a guy that I have not seen in person since that very first game. So I'm excited to see 
the big question on him, how did he develop physically? I know he's listed 6'3", 240, but sometimes your listed weight and your actual height and weight are different because um, he was, you know, kind of undersized, a tweener from a size perspective. If he's really in that 6'3", 240 range, then I think uh, his stock from a radiance perspective is going to climb. Wisconsin has been able to turn tight end T.J. Watt into an outside linebacker, and then he's gone and been a tremendous success in, in the NFL as a first-round draft pick. Zach Bond was a high school quarterback, transitioned outside linebacker. He's a you know top 50 pick in the NFL. Andrew Van Ginkle was a defensive end in JUCO, outside linebacker. He became an NFL draft pick. Does Wisconsin get these type of kids who aren't natural outside linebackers if they don't have a recent track record of moving guys to that position and giving them success in the 3-4, you think? Well, I think they uh, rightfully so have confidence in their own abilities to develop guys. I don't know. If you go through the numbers, and I haven't, but I'm sure other people have, I don't know that any team in the country develops their players better than Wisconsin. Look at, I mean, you know, J.J. Watt. If you take J.J. Watt after his first two years of college, you, you, he's not even on an NFL draft board. Right. And eventually he becomes the, the, the best defensive end in the game. If you take a Ryan Ramchek who didn't get anything from it for attention coming out of high school, you know, I mean, they do this year in and year out. That's what we do as ratings is try to give fans a sense of what type of talent is coming into their program. And then the teams that go from there and are able to build upon that and take a three-star guy and turn him into a four-star type player at the college level, that's, that's impressive. And Wisconsin does it consistently, and they do it probably better than any other team in the country. And so when they say a guy like T.J. Bowlers, we want to you know, make him into this hybrid, I certainly don't doubt them. I don't say, oh, that's a dumb move. You know I mean? there, have been, there have been times where I've seen the plans for uh, colleges have for certain players, and I'm just like, that, that's never going to work, and usually it doesn't. Um, I don't think that with TJ. If Wisconsin says they can, that they feel they can do that with him, uh, like I said, from our perspective, he does all the defensive end things well. He just has to answer the question. Just because we've never seen it, we don't have an answer. Can he play in space? And if Wisconsin thinks he can, I, don't th- I, I have no reason to contradict that. Wisconsin's always seemed to be a program that when the final recruiting rankings are done, they're probably going to be in the 40s or they're going to be maybe in a really good year, the high 30s. And like you said, they've developed guys They to take these three-star guys and they turn them, to, turn them into you know, four-star guys by the time they leave. Under Paul, the, the numbers are getting better. I mean, this class, it's early, but this class ranks 15th in the country in the rivals rankings. Last year's class was one of the best ever by a Wisconsin recruiting class in the internet era. What do you think has happened over the last several years under Paul that has brought in higher-level talent on a more consistent basis? Is It seems like the approach is pretty much the same. Wisconsin hasn't gone to a dramatic shift offensively or defensively in the last several years. Is it just that the atmosphere that Paul has created? Is it the sustained level of success now that these kids that saw Wisconsin play in three straight Rose Bowls are starting to play in high school football and they're starting to have that name brand recognition? What do you think is the has led to this uptick here for Wisconsin the last couple of years? Yeah, four-star players want to play for championships. And mm-hmm. when you're able to show, you know, year in and year out that you are playing in the big time bowl games and you're playing in Big Ten championships. And I, I mean Nobody outside of Ohio State can say that as, as, as well as Wisconsin right now. So that's 
going to attract a higher caliber of player that's going to allow you to go into Florida and grab a guy and go into Tennessee and grab a guy and go down into these areas that, you know, maybe uh, Wisconsin wouldn't, you wouldn't naturally think they would recruit out to, but um, they're able to do that. I'll tell you the one thing about Wisconsin that they've done, and, and I don't fault them for this because I've always preached if you want to build a class correctly, you have to start in your own backyard. Get that foundation with guys who know your program, understand your traditions. That's going to give you a well-rounded group of kids that, you know, is going to not just be good on the field, but good in the locker room, create that uh, type of mentality that, that builds championship teams. Wisconsin's always done that. And so I think that's, they've early, early on gone out and tried to secure everybody in their own backyard territory. And some of those guys, you know, aren't the big five eight, five nine, six point oh four stars. Uh, some of them are the five six, five seven, three stars, and those are very good, talented players. But you know, teams like Florida State and Alabama, they do a lot of their recruiting. And I say Florida State because you know, when I started seventeen years ago covering recruiting, Florida State always would wait till the very end and then just tear through all the top prospects. Higher rated prospects tend to wait longer than the lower rated prospects. So right. if you build your class early, it's usually not going to be as talented from a star perspective as you know the teams that build their classes late. But it's a recipe for success when you can balance that properly. And I think as as Wisconsin, they're not they have not abandoned getting that early talent, that backyard talent, that homegrown talent. I mean, they had like something like eight nine commitments before the the start of the new year. That was a you know, a huge start to the class. And these are, they, they weren't all three-star guys. They were J.P. Benchwassel. They were Hunter Wohler. You know, I mean, those are four-star guys, two of the top guys rated class and, and two of the top rated guys in the class. So, um, you know, they were able to build that class early. They still stick to that game plan. But later on, they're starting to attract some more top talent from across the country. That's when you go out, you build that class in-state, in your backyard early, then go cherry-pick some top guys you want around the country. And every year, it seems like they're cherry-picking, you know, higher and higher rated guys from other regions. Yeah, you're spot on there. You know, before uh, New Year's New Year's Day, they had eight commits, seven for from the Midwest, five for from in-state, and they locked down all their in-state, their top in-state guys early. I mean, J.P. Benchwell, obviously, his two older brothers play at Wisconsin. His dad played at Wisconsin. That was kind of a no-brainer. Hunter Wohler, I think, was the guy that really kind of cemented uh, this class to a degree uh, to to get that that real key defensive back piece, uh, Muskego. What do you like about about Hunter? I mean, he took his time. He had a number of big time offers. Uh, was looked a close look at Michigan. Uh, this is a guy that could do a, uh, probably play a number of different spots for Wisconsin on the back end of their defense. Yeah, I first got a chance to see Hunter live. He came out to a rivals camp towards the end of his sophomore year. Certain guys just carry themselves differently. They have a different level of you know confidence and uh, air of just and it's not it's not cockiness. Some of them in it are, they are not with Hunter, um, but it's just that that confidence that certain players play with. And he had that at a very young age. He has all the physical skills. I mean, he's a big kid for the safety position. He runs really well. And he's, we were talking about, you know, bowlers playing in space. There are certain guys that's just kind of a, you know, a sense thing. You know, you know that sixth sense that you have of where you need to be in space. And, boy, he always seems to know where he, you know, always seems to be in the right place in, in the defense. So, I mean, Hunter's a guy, like you said, I mean, he can come up, you know, run the alleys, you know, be an asset and run support. But I've watched him cover, you know, high-level Division One wide receivers man-to-man. So he has kind of that whole package for the safety position and could fill. 
some of those type of hybrid positions, maybe anywhere from a shoot nickel cornerback all the way to like a jack linebacker, some of those uh, different, you know, type of linebacker positions, hybrid safety linebacker roles. But he's just a really talented, really well-rounded prospect that I think uh be a leader of, of defenses. It's interesting. Who's he remind me of? He reminds me of Jim Leonard. And that's, <laughs> you know, I mean, it's going to be interesting to see uh, just how closely those careers match each other. I really like the Jack Pugh commitment, uh, the tight end of uh, Ohio. I mean, 6'5 guy. Wisconsin's really thin at the spot. I mean, you know, I'm not saying that Jack's going to come in and he's going to play early, but he, he's someone that is, you mentioned, kind of like Hunter, well-built, confident. Uh, this, this is another you know, solid pick for Wisconsin because of how important the tight end position is with the Badgers, and that's why they continue to track these top-end guys, and Jack had a number of big-time offers as well. Yeah, Jack and, and Riley Mallman are two guys that, at, at, you know, if you look probably around, you know, if I get questions about guys, it's those two guys from Wisconsin, that Wisconsin fans think we have ready to go. See, when we do evaluations, 80%, you know, you can figure out about 80% based on just film, but that extra 20% that you get from seeing a guy in person is important to that evaluation. And Jack and, and uh, Riley are two guys that we have not seen in person yet. Obviously, this you know, shutdown of camps and pretty much everything over the last few months has uh, really hampered evaluation opportunities. So guys like Jack and Riley would have been normally seen, but we're essentially rating them off of where they were at the end of their junior season. Mm -hmm. So that's barely halfway through high school. And for that early in the process, we're going to be conservative on guys that we have not seen in person yet, where we still have questions. Physically, how do they, you know, I, you know, with a guy like Jack, is he really, you know, 6'5", 245? I want to see his movement skills. I want to see, you know, how easily he glides across the field or if he fights the turf. You know, those are things you don't appreciate as, as well on film as you can in person. And with Riley, obviously, you know, big, I mean, big, tall kid. Does he have the frame? Is he going to be able to, is he a natural bender? Is he going to be able to, you know, add more weight and still athletic and so all those things that still got to be answered we'll get those answers down the road uh but early on because we've rated these guys so early in their high school careers we're going to be conservative with them i think both of those guys are candidates to see their stock rise assuming they answer a few of those remaining questions we have positive and last one here for you, Josh. A lot of people are always, you know, they're excited about the, the commitment, the latest commitment they can read all about, and then they're going to want to know, who's next? Who, who's who's next for my program? And uh, you kind of look at, around the Midwest, Wisconsin doesn't have many spots left, but they're still in the running for a lot of good guys in the Midwest. Kind of run me through some of the guys that you think that Wisconsin has a really good chance of maybe landing any time between now and signing day. You know, I was, um, I'm writing up a... Um a feature for next week talking about some two-team battles in the Midwest. And one of them is Yanni Karloftis. Mm -hmm. Yanni, obviously, is a legacy prospect at Purdue. His brother um, is, you know, had an outstanding freshman season at Purdue. And, you know, they, they Yanni lives in West Lafayette. I mean, pretty much Purdue's backyard. Everybody's kind of writing him. You know, he, he thinks that, you know, he's a lot to go to Purdue. I think Wisconsin has really resonated strongly with him, and I think it's going to give uh, Purdue a, a much stronger contest than, than, than people are, are giving them credit for. I just, when I talked to him uh, coming off his visit to Wisconsin, you could tell he just he peaked up a little bit. He had a, you know, 
it, it resonated on a different level for him. And so I think that he's uh, a guy to continue to watch. There's a reason he hasn't committed yet. His brother made a commitment very early in the process. So um, we'll have to see how that one goes. And uh, I'm, I'm expecting that. You know, that that's a fight to the end between Purdue and Wisconsin because I do think it's kind of a two-team battle now. Uh, the other one I guess I would mention, um, and I haven't checked in with him lately, and I'm, I'm interested to see where it goes now that Wisconsin has, you know, a lot of these kind of linebacker positions kind of wrapped up. But Damon Olson was a guy that visited Wisconsin, teammate of Daryl Peterson, and just kind of not sure where things go with him right now. But uh, assuming that Wisconsin still... In the market for, for Damon Olson, I, I think they should be a very, very strong contender for, you know, Dale Peterson's teammate there. You can follow him on Twitter at Josh Helmholt. You can read his work all throughout the Rivals Network and especially on BadgerBlitz.com whenever big news breaks. Josh, thanks for your time today. Really appreciate it. Thanks for the insight and uh, continued health to you. Anytime. Thank you. My thanks there to uh, Josh Hemphill for joining us. The first time that Josh and I have spoken at length uh, about Wisconsin recruiting, and he brought really some some great things there. One player he did touch on because he's not in uh, his region is Michael Jarvis. And I think Jarvis, while may not jump off the page as a uh, Daryl Pearson did or a Jack Pugh, the, the, you know, Pugh committed to uh, Wisconsin over an offer from Alabama and Ohio State and a number of players, uh, you know, Jarvis is just, just a two-star at 6'5", 250, but fits a huge positional gap for Wisconsin at that nose tackle spot. And while he's listed at 255 and defensive end makes the most sense maybe right now for him, it wouldn't be surprising to see Jarvis kind of step in and play multiple positions at Wisconsin. Uh, and you know, Noki Brechtelfield, the defensive line coach, has told Jarvis that depending on how he develops, and Wisconsin thinks that he can add Jarvis another 30 to 40 pounds to get close to that 300-pound range, that he can play inside. But, you know, kind of think what Connor Sheehy did for Wisconsin a bunch of years back. He can bounce outside and inside because of that burst, because of that long range, and just that that total skill set that he has. And while he maybe doesn't explode out of his stance, that relentlessness is what helps him make plays. 87 tackles. 37 quarterback hits, 28 tackles for loss, and 10 sacks last year as a junior. Just a really solid, well-rounded player. And then if Wisconsin puts him in the middle in that 3-4 defense, he'll be able to bottle up those double teams to allow Wisconsin's inside linebackers to make plays. So this this is a big commitment for Wisconsin schematically. Maybe not in terms of the wall factor, but in terms of what Wisconsin needs in that 3-4, a huge find. Because those defensive tackles, nose tackles, don't really come up a lot in the state of Wisconsin. You have to go outside your region to find them. You have to find, you know, a Bryson Williams. You have to go down to Nebraska to find him. Wisconsin got lucky with Keanu Benton, who stepped in last year and played remarkably well. Benton out of Janesville, uh, uh, Janesville Parker, Parker, Janesville Craig, Janesville Craig High School that he came out of. And you know, those two are going to be forming a great tandem here for the next couple of years. And, you know, Tim Gushu has been around a, a long time. And I think he said this is going to be his 40, been coaching 43 years. So when he throws around opinions and different things, uh, they stick and they mean something. And he had a lot of really good things to say about Michael Jarvis when I spoke to him uh, shortly after his commitment. When he came in as a ninth grader, um, he wasn't a typical ninth grader. He was about 6'3", 200 pounds. And uh, the thing that we noticed right away was how he carried himself, how he... um, 
handled, he handled himself around his teammates as a freshman, uh, in the weight room, in the locker room. Uh, you know, he had a great work ethic. I mean, in summer workouts, he would jump in with the older kids, and he didn't flinch. I mean, uh, you know, yeah, especially like just conditioning workouts, things like that. So he really right away caught the attention of the older kids in our program, and we had some pretty good ones. Um, uh, he, uh, I would say this, I mean, ninth grade year had the typical ninth grade year, played defense, played offense, you know, he did a little both. And then in the weight room that winter is when we really, like, you know, let's put it this way, he gained, like, 50 pounds that off season. Okay. You know, like, that's not, that's not normal. No. I mean, he, and, and, and I, I, I was teaching nutrition at the time at our high school, and, you know, I'd say, show me what you're eating. And he said, well, it's simple. He'd be up in the morning, he'd be eating six egg whites and two bowls of oatmeal. Um, Mom did a great job, you know, taking care of, you know, doing the right, you know, the right kind of food. Some of our kids, you know, they're, they're, we start school at 7, 18 in the morning. They're running in, maybe have a bagel in their hand if they're lucky. Uh, most of them aren't even eating breakfast. But, you know, early on, he was into the training, the nutrition. Uh, I thought that was important. He made great gains that year. Um, in the weight room, and then that spring he actually played baseball. Um, but then um, after that, he kind of you know he was outgrowing that sport. He was like he was a, a catcher, and he wasn't. You know, then at this point, he's six four. He's like two fifty five, and he just you know started to blossom. So sophomore year, he plays uh, defensive end force. Um, does a does an amazing job for a tenth grader. I mean, you know most. Of, Tenth graders, you know, the, the special ones can handle going against eighteen-year-olds and and the, you know the older kids and other programs. Uh, he he was, you know, he was competitive. Uh, he, he you know if he, if he didn't make a play, he'd be really like disappointing himself. So you know he, he wanted to be one of the top guys. There's no question. And then I would say after his sophomore year, junior he moved into three technique. We felt he was uh, his strength is and he got so much better with his hands. Um, that I thought, you know, our, our D-line coach had coached at a college level at the University of Pennsylvania for, like, 23 years. So he had a pretty good eye for, you know, what the kind of things that he needed to do to play, you know, Division One football. Well, we didn't know it was going to be a big, you know, Power 5, Big 10 team like Wisconsin, but uh, we thought he had that chance. And then, um, he, he, you know, he just, he, he, first of all, he loves football. Like, he doesn't like it, he loves it. You know, I think that's important. And we would talk to our kids all the time saying, you want to play college ball, you better love it. And if you, you, know, you expect to play it, you want to be. And, and I will say this also, Wisconsin's always had a special place. I, he, he grew up, like, just loving the Wisconsin Badgers. And it's kind of interesting, you know. Uh, I said, well, how that happen? He said, I was just see him on TV, and he just became fond of them. I mean, uh, I, and that's, I think that's great. So, I mean, this is kind of a dream come true without question. Um but he, he's special. He really is. He he's great first step. Uh, runs with the ball real well. I mean, you know, he he's gonna he's gonna definitely show the coaches, his teammates, fans. Um, I mean, I, I, you know, I'm not gonna make any wild prediction for him. But what I will say, everybody on the field will know that he's he, he's out there and he's serious about football. Um, I think that's probably the thing that I notice most. And. Uh, he couldn't be more excited. He's, he's really, really, and, he, and, and as a leader of our team, I mean, he's a kid I tell on. I mean, I call him up. And like, especially in the last what ten weeks, where you know, hey, I mean, he was he was at my house like Friday night for about two and a half hours. We were just talking about the whole, 
you know, the excitement of going to a school like Wisconsin, you know, with their, with their amazing, you know, uh, legacy of winning, uh, you know, all the way back to Coach Alvarez. And, uh, uh, and there's been, you know, of course, Ron Dane and Jonathan Taylor, Corey Quamit, and now back there. Those kids, we, we played against Ron Dane, so. Uh, I remember asking our kids to try to tackle him. And I, that, usually, <laughs> that, didn't, that didn't usually go well. <laughs> Your typical high school defensive back, well, no part of that. So, but anyway, you know, I mean, I think he's, uh, he, it's going to be exciting for everybody involved. I wanted to cycle back to what you kind of said at the beginning, that he came in as a ninth grader and he just worked. Um, was he one of those guys that just kept his mouth shut and let the seniors do the leadership uh, and yeah, he just yeah, put his yeah, work yeah, in? Yeah, he, yeah, you know what? He's not going to be a rah-rah guy. He's going to be a guy that's just going to he's going to come to work every day with his lunch pail. And I think that's you know, look in this culture today, you know, we have a thing in our program where we say it's hey, well done is always better than well said. Mm-hmm. And uh, um, a lot of our kids have really adopted that. You know, what I mean, we're, we're we're not a flashy team. We we hand the ball and get like our touchdown. You know, we. We're, we're, we, uh, we're, I don't you know our uniforms. We look just like Penn State. I mean, hey, my, my daughter went to Penn State. My niece went to Penn State. My nephew went to Penn State. We had a bunch of players go there. It was a say, you know. But we have the same. Our uniforms look exactly the same. So <laughs> it's like I said. All right, I guess I got to get some red, red stuff now with uh, Wisconsin. But he was laughing. Uh, but it was, it was, it was. Uh, yeah, he, he's going. He, he just, he's going to let his actions. Speak for himself. Yeah, yeah. I mean, he's not shy. He'll talk, but mm-hmm. he's not going to—he's not going to run around and, and be boastful, or you know, he's not going to act like that. And um, we, we typically don't tolerate that anyway. That's not our deal. So, um, had you had you talked to him about nutrition before he kind of went with the the six eggs and well, two bowls of oatmeal, or was he already doing that before you kind of found out about it? Yeah, as a ninth grader, he was already doing that because. You know, when we get them, when we get them after football season, their freshman year, you know, we sit them down and we we make packets for them, and you know, try to guide. The, so many of our kids were like, "Coach, I want to gain weight. I want to, you know." And I'm always like, "Okay, first thing, show me what you're eating." So that's how we found out. Every kid had to do a, a, a food log for like you know three days and turn it in. And myself, one of my assistants, we would look at it, and we we're like, "Holy God, look what this kid's eating!" Like. And then other kids are like, I don't understand. I'm not getting weight like Mike. I go, well, it's simple. Look at what you're eating and what they're eating. So they were already on that. Yeah, yeah. So we, we just enhanced it. I mean, you know, just said, hey, all right, one, keep doing what you're doing. And he'd also do this. So he'd, he'd eat that for breakfast. And then, you know, he'd, he'd have like two more sandwiches like mid-morning. Then at lunch, he'd eat a big lunch. And then in the afternoon, he'd get, and before a workout. He'd be eating, like, two peanut butter jellies, you know. So, I mean, I always say, it's simple fuel, guys. Hey, when you're in school, you just got to come to school with a backpack full of it. And, yeah, he was he was ahead of the game, no question. You guys talk. I credit his mom, good. I credit, I credit, I credit his mom for that because Jan, uh, she, you know, she just, hey, those parents are not getting up making their kids that kind of food and wine. They're not doing it, okay? Mm-hmm. I've been doing this. This will be year forty-three for me, so I think I'm semi-qualified to make that, <laughs> that, that, that announcement. Yeah. What was that two and a half hours like on Friday? Had he already made his decision, or did he come over for yeah, for, yeah. for counseling with you? It, he, no, he had made it at four o'clock uh, Eastern time on Friday, and uh, 
originally, you know, he was coming up for like one last talk. I think the coaches gave him a Saturday deadline. And they said, we need to know by Saturday. So, because uh, originally he wanted to commit like Memorial Day Saturday. But Coach Chris, I believe, I hope I'm not speaking out of turn here, but I think his policy has always been he wants kids to be able to come on campus first. Right. He's never been there. You know, but I, I had a three-year starter at Oregon, same thing, he was recruited by Chip Kelly and then Mark, played for Mark Hel- Helford. And same thing, he went to Oregon before he ever went. So, you know, I some, sometimes kids just know. And, you know, virtually today, I think the coaches at your place were more, you know, they want to be sure. Come on, this, this is a big investment. Mm-hmm. You know? But I, I, I think they're going to be really happy. I really do. I think they're going to be really, really happy because he's, He's special. He's, he's a great kid. Yeah, he's, he just has, he's the whole package. He's humble, he works his butt off, and, and plays hard. Plays real hard. I know he's listed on our network as a defensive tackle, but I know that uh, Coach Brechterfield at Wisconsin has said that he has the ability to bounce inside and outside. I, I know a lot's dependent on what he does in a weight room and, and how he kind of develops, but you know that 3-4 spot, that nose tackle is so critical. That It feels like that's a spot, watching his tape, that he could really be more than just uh, a filler there, if you know what I mean. He could be like an impact, yeah, yeah, pl- he could be yeah. an impact player in the middle. Sure, I think so. He's going to have to develop a little bit, though. I mean, mm-hmm. he's, um, he's ready to do it whenever your opener is because the offensive line that he's going to face in, in your league, wow. I mean, you know, but I, I think he's going to explode physically when he gets on campus. When he gets there, a weight program, solid nutrition program, and then just training with all those other guys. You know, I don't know if you saw this. There's a picture. It's actually an article about Wisconsin's O-lines. Last August, it was a preseason football edition, and it showed all of them, probably some burger joint out there or whatever, and they were just like, you know, obviously, yeah, post-training meal or whatever, victory meal. I mean, it's, <laughs> and I showed them the I gave them the article. I said, yeah, here's the, these are the guys you're going to go against in practice. I said, so you better get ready, brother. And uh, <laughs> I think, I mean, he's 255 now. I think he'll be, he's going to be 300 he just has to keep eating those so, eggs. Looking, looking at the typical, and because he has the frame to do it. Looking at the typical, I, I, I pulled up some film Friday. It was uh, top ten Wisconsin defensive highlights, and I, actually Urban Meyer of all people, but Urban was working with the network, and he was uh, like doing the analysis, so to speak. And uh, it was it was pretty cool. And I said, "Hey, there you go. There, there's been, you know, I've seen longer down the distance. They were up four down." And, you know, so I said, hey, this is what you're going to be doing, brother. So he's, 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 he's super excited. Then again, it is Shawnee High School coach Tim Gushu talking about Michael Jarvis, who uh, certainly had, he had a lot of big offers. He had 20 offers to choose from. Florida State had offered him. Indiana was one of the power five. Nebraska, Rutgers, Syracuse, Vanderbilt, Virginia, Wake Forest, a lot of power five offers for Michael Jarvis, but he is one of the newest Badgers. And this recruiting class, like I said at the top, it's a top 15 class right now. And how often do you get to say that pretty much halfway through the recruiting cycle, Wisconsin has one of the best 15 classes, one of the best 15 classes in the country. Pretty impressive what Wisconsin's been able to do. Wisconsin for so long has been able to do uh, more with less. Now they're getting more. Be interested to see if more will equal uncharted territory for Wisconsin football in the years to come. 
There's our show. My thank you to, uh, again, uh, head coach Tim Gushu for picking up the phone and talking with me last week about Michael Jarvis. My thanks to Josh Hemphold for taking time uh, out of his weekend to talk Wisconsin recruiting. And my thanks to you for, for tuning back in. We're going to try to have a, a podcast every week, have some guests lined up that will hopefully be joining us here in the next couple of weeks, some of the recruiting variety, some of the basketball and football variety, certainly enough to tide you over before we start doing uh, fall camp position previews, which hopefully will be coming sooner rather than later because that means we have a football season to really start talking about. You can follow me on Twitter at the Badger Nation and make sure you log on to badgerblitz.com for all the latest on Wisconsin football recruiting, basketball recruiting, football, and basketball. Have a great weekend, everybody. Take care, and we'll talk to you soon here on the badgerblitz.com podcast.